0: Last week, Pastor Steve got us thinking about the things we have inherited from generations past. And I don't know about you, but I had trouble getting this out of my mind during the past seven days. On Wednesday, I found myself walking around my house looking for things that I had received from people in my ancestry. The problem is, I'm not a very good keeper of things. I tend to relish in the annual, if not semi-annual purging of drawers and closets in my home because I don't like clutter. And so I'm probably too quick to throw things away without first considering their origin or their potential meaning for the future. Thankfully, though, I have a daughter and a father who are keepers. Though honestly, some of the things in their collections baffle me. Between the two of them, we have everything from zigg-block bags containing locks of hair from people's first haircuts to creepy baby dolls that someone once loved once upon a time and now they don't have the heart to get rid of. I'm sure I sound cold talking about their dust collecting treasures like this, but rest assured, even I can be sentimental when they hand me a stack of birthday cards from years past and I open one that was addressed to me with a five-year-old's handwriting in it that says, "'Happy birthday, Mom. I love you more than tacos.'" But the lack of things I was able to locate and identify as having been handed down to me during this past week, I started thinking more and more about those other levels of inheritance that we explored through the story of Abraham, and I rediscovered something very important, and that I, that is that I am a very rich person. I come from a long line of God-fearing Christian people who have diligently and intentionally passed along their faith to me, one that is now my own. So this means that I am the recipient of something that has been protected, procured and perpetuated throughout the course of generations. And this is remarkable when I think about it because the realities of my life today here in 2018 are vastly different than those of the world my great-grandparents lived in over a century ago. This reality really hit home for me about four years ago when I lost my last living grandparent, my paternal grandmother, Mary Beth, was born in 1920 and she lived to the age of 94. And as we walked through her last days, I marveled thinking about the period of time in which she lived on this earth and the vast spectrum of changes that one person experienced in a lifetime. When I would visit her in those last years, I would often find her reading the newspaper or watching the evening news And I would try to imagine how on earth she was processing the realities of, say, 2013 compared to 1930. This was somebody who lived through the Great Depression and the information age of technology. And there are fewer and fewer of those people who can appreciate that dichotomy in our midst anymore. And so as I watched her, I would think to myself, how does someone who began their life with so little process something like Amazon Prime? (laughs) How does someone who grew up for most of their young years without a telephone or a television in the home reconcile themselves to something like this, which makes them available at all times of day, wherever they go, and which functions as both telephone and screen and about 10 other things that we use in our daily lives? All of this to say... It's remarkable to me that my grandmother would wash, dry, and reuse tin foil and TV dinner trays right up till her last years, but she also corresponded with me through email, and she loved to play Scrabble online with friends who lived hours away from her. Reflecting on her life, I really believe that my grandmother didn't allow the changes in culture to deter her from remaining active in the world in which she was living. And so it occurs to me that one of the reasons I have inherited such a rich legacy of faith is because because those like my grandmother who imparted it to me were able to adapt and continue understanding and living into the ways and will of God despite the changes that were happening all the time, all around them, that is no small thing. Because as human beings, we are predisposed to taking comfort in ritual and routine, aren't we? We generally pursue what's known and we connect positive experiences from our past with the expectations we have for the future. And so for most people, change presents a real challenge. Metathesiophobia is what's known scientifically as the fear of change, and I read that in a recent study, it was deemed one of the most common fears among humans today, which is kind of ironic if you think about it, because our world is changing at a faster rate than ever before. We have more access to information, more resources, more communication mediums, both interpersonally and transglobally than at any other point in human history. But with change comes uncertainty and an unpredictable path for what lies ahead. And so for most people, the fear of change is really linked to a lost sense of control or the inability to prepare for what's next. Change doesn't only disrupt our senses of security, but can also be disruptive to our egos Because if I am an expert in this or that discipline or skill, and then any evolution of that field occurs, that forces me either to adapt and continually increase my knowledge or skill, or run the risk of becoming obsolete and potentially insignificant in the world in which I am living. The hard reality here, though, is that change and adaptation are necessities of any living thing. Benjamin Franklin once said, when we are finished changing, we are finished. And we see examples of that reality all the time. Think about nature. We hear of species that are unable to adapt to changing environmental factors like climate and terrain and suddenly they are on an endangered list and then they are extinct. We've heard about entire cultures in human history that have disappeared over time largely because of their inability to embrace necessary changes required for them to thrive and survive. And so as I take account of the inheritance of faith that I have received from those who have gone before me, I've recognized that the body of Christ is one of the primary conduits by which that inheritance has been and continues to be nurtured in my life. And with that being so, I wonder then if the church must also constantly evolve and adapt and change so that her mission can continue in spite of a changing culture so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be shared as a righteous inheritance for those it is yet intended to reach and transform. Now, everybody take a breath because the, cha- this, the topic of change can be thin ice to tread upon, I realize, And when we talk about change in the church, we're just entering a 2,000-year-old conversation. But I wonder if this is in part because we don't often ascribe the idea of change to our God or to the things of God. But what if I told you that I believe our God is a God of change? Notice I didn't say our God is a changing God. (laughs) Rather, The God of the universe, the almighty, the one that we have gathered here today to worship and glorify is a creative, adaptive, innovative God. And that our ability to know and claim our inheritance as children of God has been protected, procured, and perpetuated since the beginning of the world by his creative, adaptive, innovative ways which overcome any wrinkle humanity has ever conceived or stumbled upon. If that's hard for you to fathom, let's take a quick look into scripture. All right, time and time again, we see where God disrupts or changes the norm for the sake of advancing his mission. We just spent the past six weeks looking at one such instance. I believe that God interrupted the norm when he carried out his promise to Abraham, establishing his covenant and raising up a nation not through a baby born to a fertile young maiden, but rather to a barren old woman, as Dave Ward talked to us about a few weeks ago. I think God disrupted the norm when he chose David, a child, a small boy, from no known reputable line to be the king of his chosen people. How about when Jesus disrupted the norm bypassing the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and calling fishermen, tax collectors, and other un or underqualified people to be his closest associates during his earthly ministry. Or when God interrupted the norm that day on the road to Damas- Damascus by calling Saul, a persecutor of Christians, to be Paul the apostle and the person by whom the church largely would be led into the first century. How about the game-changing move when he told Peter to kill and eat animals that had been previously deemed unclean? This wasn't a dietary prescription. The point was to extend the claims of the gospel to a people, the Gentiles, who had been previously seen as not a part of God's chosen. Those are just a few examples of God interrupting or disrupting what was known as normal and creating new ways to accomplish his mission in the world. And in each instance, the important thing to recognize is that God did not change. His nature, his character, his purpose, his mission All remained the same, but certainly the way in which he carried out his plan and purposes challenged what was understood as normative or predictable by the popular culture of that time, all for the sake of furthering his plan. That's probably worth repeating. God's mission has never changed. He has been, is, and will always be working to restore his creation unto himself for the sake of his kingdom. But the methods by which that mission has been carried out and moved forward into different cultures or different periods of history have always changed prophecy that we just heard read from Isaiah forecasted one of if not the greatest and most radical way in which God would disrupt the norm for the sake of redeeming and reclaiming the totality of creation as his own I am doing a new thing the Lord said it's already started can you not see it pretty sure that Israel welcomed and relished Isaiah's reminder of what they had been hoping for for generations, that a Messiah would come and rescue them, and that once again, God would intervene and make a way for them, fulfilling his promise. This part was familiar to them. He even reminded them earlier in that scripture about how he'd been pretty creative in the past, that whole splitting of the Red Sea thing, not too shabby. But even after that, can you Possibly imagine the Israelites thinking that the pathway in the wilderness or the rivers in the dry wasteland that Isaiah was talking about were going to come in the form of a baby born to an unwed virgin in a cattle stall who would be the crucified Son of God offered as a sacrifice on their behalf so that they could be reconciled to their Creator? You want to talk about outside of the box thinking? It's pretty good. Isaiah's prophecy of the new thing that God would do in and through Jesus Christ was and is a reminder that the mission of God does not change, but that if we desire to faithfully steward, shepherd, and pass on that mission and the blessing of God to the next generation, then we have to open our hearts and minds to the realization that he is God of creativity and that his ways of fulfilling his purposes probably won't look like what we expect or have even experienced in the past. This really has always been the way of God. If you think about it, go all the way back to the creation story. God didn't just slap something together. He created planets and stars and languages and emotions, aardvarks and emus, and even though he pronounced each aspect of his creation good, he would stop at nothing less than that which would support and enable his ultimate mission to be accomplished. So he kept creating. He kept changing the landscape of his creation, kept disrupting what was known as normal, and he continues creating and innovating new means and methods by which his mission will be accomplished even now. So if this is true of God up till this point in history, why on earth would we not expect that this will be true in the days ahead? And if this is true of God, then the question we as the church have to ask ourselves is how will we need to change? How will we need to be creative and innovative, not for the sake of change itself or in an attempt to keep up with popular culture, but in an effort to walk with God in accomplishing his purposes for our world? That's the question I've been asking God to help our congregation understand as we seek to influence and minister to our community and world. And it's the question Pastor Steve and I are going to ask you to join us considering in the next few weeks as we explore the ways we are beginning to wonder if God isn't strategically positioning us for the future. This really all started a couple of years ago when Steve and I met with an organizational consultant. We thought it was probably time for College Church to have a new mission. That's what we do. (laughs) You know, things get a little stale and we think our mission must be off. So we met with this assistant colleague, and we presented our cause to the consultant, explaining the statement that I hope at least looks somewhat familiar to you. We've tried to get it in front of you from time to time, and that is the college church exists to make more and better disciples who transform the community and resource the church. And after we finished presenting our case to this uh, consultant, we were ready. We were braced for critique and criticism, and this highly esteemed consultant looked at us sort of blankly and said what's the issue why am I here we stared back at him blankly but thankfully he continued by explaining yeah college church is a complex environment it is a complex place but your mission speaks to that complexity while also aligning with the mission of God I wouldn't change a thing That wasn't really the answer we were expecting, (laughs) but the conversation was far from over because he continued by reminding us that while our church has to steward our complexity and that may not require a change in mission, it most likely will require us to consider new methods of ministry with each passing year. That was a pretty profound day for me because even though what this guy was saying wasn't really rocket science, It was a solid reminder that the church universal, just like her God, has changed methods and means for the sake of mission throughout history. I thought back to how the first century church was established and they were meeting together every seven days, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then in the second century, things changed and suddenly now people were being persecuted for this faith. The church didn't stop meeting just moved into secret hiding places, into homes and cellars, their mission did not change, but their method did. Fast forward to the 16th century, there were all kinds of changes going on in the church, but one that is significant for me is that worship services started happening in the language of the people, not just in Latin. This was significant because again, The gospel of Jesus Christ and the mission of God did not change. It was simply put into the language that people could understand. This was a radical and revolutionary shift in the life of the church, and it would impact the church's life forever. So I've only been a part of college church for about 13 years now. And I recognize there are many of you who could drop the record on what I'm about to say for a far greater swath of history than I am able to. But even in my short part of this church's 120 plus year history, I have seen and been inspired by the ways our congregation has allowed creativity and innovation to further the reach of our mission. You guys, 13 years ago, College Church was not known as a friendly presence or a faithful partnership at Francis Locum Elementary School. 10 years ago, the people at de Vida Church in Mexico City no more knew who College Wesleyan Church was than the man on the moon. And yet today, these are some of our most significant ministry partnerships. These are people we are interacting with on a regular basis people who are helping us achieve our mission and who I believe we are helping them achieve theirs. 13 years ago, College Church was known largely in this community as a congregation nestled inside a university campus. And so was known not by many outside of the university setting And yet today, I don't know if you're aware of this, but our building is used almost on a daily basis by people and organizations from within the greater community. And as a result, we are having the opportunity to build greater friendships throughout our cities. Connections that, again, are deepening our influence and our connection to those that we desire to minister to and serve. In the past decade alone, changes in our church have taken place that have empowered and enabled the creation of resources like Soul Shift and ministry festivals and resident pastors, just to name a few. And these are significant things that have happened in the life of our church, not only because they have impacted what we're doing here, but because they have left this place and gone into other congregations throughout our country and world who are also playing a role in what God is doing. But all of these influential ways, these ways that we've been able to advance our mission among a bunch of others I don't have time to go into this morning, all of them started with creative, innovative thinking. These were not things our church had done historically. And though they were absolutely connected to the same mission, they required us to think differently from our past. But out of them have come significant and pivotal pieces of the ministry that God is using to allow us to play a role in his greater mission. And so the truth is, as a community, I think it's often easy for us to do a quick swath of our history like that and then lean back and say, well, okay, see, we've done a lot of good things. We've made some significant changes and so maybe we just need to sort of relax and relish in those things. We do need to celebrate them. But if we start to think that we can uh, assume that missional fruit will continue to be born from just these things in the past and close our minds off to the possibility of what's ahead, I fear we will be sorely mistaken. Because if our mission has advanced in the past due to our willingness to think outside of the box about our ministry methods, and if we believe our God is a God of creativity and innovation and change, then I think we have to hold loosely to the things that are familiar, to the things that we know and feel secure in and posture ourselves for whatever changes, whatever creative ministry methods God may call us to in the days that lie ahead. So over the next few weeks, Pastor Steve and I wanna share with you some of the ways that we think God is leading us and what we believe he may be positioning our church for, for the sake of being faithful to our mission of making more and better disciples who transform the community and resource the greater church. And I say that realizing that for some of you, that may sound daunting or even a little scary. Believe you me, you'd be hard pressed to find someone in this room who loves ritual and routine more than me. But as stewards of the gift of Christ's church and as possessors of this glorious inheritance that we've been handed and commissioned to pass on to future generations, I believe we have to resist the temptation to becoming metathesophobic and take heed of the new thing that God wants to do today in our community and in our world for the sake of his greater mission. It was funny, you know, you get thinking about certain things and you run into stories that you kind of stop and go, huh, isn't that interesting how those two merge? And that was the case for me this past week. A friend of mine told me a story about a bridge called the Cholateca Bridge. It was built in Honduras in 1930. It was built as a cooperative effort between the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and the Honduran government. Uh, it was a replication of the Golden Gate Bridge, so it really was one of the architectural wonders of its time in the entire region of Central America. But the purpose of this bridge beyond connecting the highways from Guatemala to Panama was also sort of a gesture for the world to see of the power of partnership. Sixty years later in the mid-1990s, the Japanese government approached the Honduran government once again and said, perhaps it's time for another such gesture. And so they put forth the idea of building the new Cholateca Bridge together. And sure enough, when it was complete, it became known as the largest, most sophisticated bridge ever built in the region and was also the largest, most fortified bridge ever built by Japanese architects and engineers. This finished project was symbolic of the spirit of both the Japanese and the Honduran people. But then in 1998, the year this new bridge was commissioned for use, Hurricane Mitch blew through the area. It was a Category 5 storm, and it damaged every single bridge in the country of Honduras, except the new Cholateca. Now, of course, this was seen from an architectural point of view as a tremendous victory because when all other bridges collapsed under the weight of the storm, the new Cholateca remained. The problem was everything around the bridge was changed by the storm. While Hurricane Mitch might not have damaged the bridge in any manner, it washed out the roads on either side of the bridge. And what's even crazier is that while the bridge remained unscathed, the Cholateca River itself was completely rerouted by flooding. And in a matter of hours, this architectural wonder was renamed the bridge to nowhere. I'm convinced that the mission of God cannot be thwarted by anything no act of culture or nature or humankind. And because I believe the church is the primary means by which God will advance and ultimately fulfill his mission in the world, I have great confidence in her future. But the truth is no local congregation is immune from becoming irrelevant. We can have the best church in terms of size, structure, people, programming, or history, and still be at risk of becoming obsolete. Because this is what can happen if we become so consumed or enamored or comfortable with what's been effective in the past. So much so that our mission becomes foggy and we become far too consumed with methods of ministry that we have employed and enjoyed in the past. I've been asking, God, how do we keep this from happening here at College Church? I think historically, our church has been incredibly blessed with people. Primarily people who have the gifts of shepherding and teaching. And these are bedrocks of the church. People that we call upon each and every day to serve the church. And I believe we will continue to do that. But I wonder if in the spirit of the new thing that God wants to do... We're going to need those of you who have the gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists, those who tend to think creatively and innovatively to lean into those giftings and help us discover new ways to fulfill our mission. If that's not you, if you're sitting there going, those aren't my gifts— then I wonder if you will need to ask God to help you remain open and expectant of new ideas and ministry methods that will help our church accomplish all that God has for our community and our world. Even when we like the here and now, and even when we have fond memories of experiences and the way things have been, we need to ask God to center us in his mission as opposed to any methods. This is a lot to take in And so as I said, we're gonna spend a few weeks unpacking it together. But to close this morning, I wanna ask you to just take a moment and in silence, bow your head. I wonder, God, what you would say to each of us here this morning. For some of us who are creative and innovative and who welcome change, I think we need to ask God to reveal to us any new manner in which College Church might carry out her mission in the days to come. And in the next days and weeks, as those ideas emerge, ask him what your role is in sharing and seeing those ideas come to fruition in the life of the church. The truth is, those of us who often are innovative and creative thinkers do a great job at coming up with ideas, but the struggle comes when it comes to bringing those things to life. So let's ask God not only to birth ideas in us, but give us motivation to see them through. And for others of us, maybe we need to spend a moment confessing to God that change is hard, that at times it's even created for us a sense of obstinance in regard to the work of the church. And it's certainly kept us from being able to see the way change in the church can benefit our mission Will you ask God to be gracious and kind and help you embrace the new things that he wants to do so that you might be able to see and celebrate and play a role in the greater kingdom good that that change can bring? God, we are people who have been created in your image. We recognize this morning and thank you for the routines and the norms of our life that give us a sense of certainty and stability. Specifically, God, we thank you for your unchanging nature, which permits us to find shelter in the midst of any storm life can throw our way. God, we also celebrate today that you are a God who is faithful to your promise and your mission and that in spite of any reality of our earthly lives, we have the assurance that you will prevail. Thank you for being creative and for not allowing our earthly realities to deter you from accomplishing your will. Help us, God, we pray. Help us to be people who embrace change, not for change's sake, But for the sake of your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom, heighten our sensitivity to the movement of your spirit and to the new thing you desire to accomplish in and through us in the days to come, and fill our hearts and minds with hope and with possibility, with creative and innovative means by which we can be faithful to your calling. We pray that for our church, we pray that for ourselves, and ultimately, we pray that these things would come forth so that you would be honored and glorified and that your mission might be accomplished. In Jesus' name.